Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Let me get my timer started. Come on. Gotta love that. The most important part of the sermon, starting the timer. <laughs> all right, no, it is great to see you guys all this morning. It's great to have you joining us online for those who are on uh, Zoom with us. You can turn over to John chapter 1. We'll be there in a second. You know, we've uh, spent the last few weeks as a ministry reading through Matthew's and Luke's accounts of Jesus' birth. And then looking at the lessons that we can learn from some of the examples of the women that we find in those stories. Looking at Elizabeth, at Mary, and at Anna. Seeing how they've really set examples for all of us. Not just the sisters, but for the brothers too. Come on, we've been talking about this. There's lessons for all of us to learn from our sisters in the scriptures. But lessons that we can learn and apply to our lives. And so today, I wanted to take a little bit of a, of a different take and look at John's account of Christmas, of, of the birth of Jesus. And his is a bit of a different perspective, but I think it's, it's a helpful one. And it's one that I think really does inform the way that we can look at not just this season, but really our entire relationship with God. So here's the title of, of my sermon this morning, and this is going to just kind of encompass the, really the main point. It's, it's, it's two points that are really one point. But it's the story of Christmas, God's offer of life, missed by the world. God's offer of life, missed by the world. Let's read together in John chapter 1. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In giving his account of Jesus' life, John doesn't start with a genealogy to tie Jesus into the history of Israel or kind of the history of humanity, like Matthew and Luke does, like Matthew and Luke do. He doesn't start at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, like Mark does. Instead, John starts at the beginning of time. There's an ambitious start. He actually is essentially retelling the story of Genesis, the story of creation, with Jesus in the starring role. 
Jesus is the eternally existent Word of God. He was with God at the beginning, at the beginning of time, and He Himself is God. All creation, John said, was made through Him, so that Jesus carries in Himself both the creative power of God and the life-giving nature of God. He is the light of all mankind. John says that the true light that gives light to everyone was in Jesus. He embodies every good thing that points people towards truth and right living. He is the ultimate source of peace and justice and forgiveness and healing and love in the world. And John says that this Jesus made his dwelling among us. Literally, that word, the Greek word means that he pitched his tent. He pitched his tent. He went camping among us. It's pretty clearly referring back to the way that God lived with the Israelites in the tabernacle in the desert after they came up out of Egypt. And John's talking about how God once again pitched his tent among his people. This time not in the Holy of Holies, but in human flesh. So the first point that I think we can draw out of this is that the story of Christmas is God's offer of life. This is what John is saying, that God came as a man to the earth to bring us life, to bring new life to the world. You know, I so appreciate John's perspective because I think it helps us to remember that, that who it is that we are celebrating at Christmas, whose birth we're talking about here. You know, there were many babies born at the time to poor mothers, probably many families who were journeying for the census to be counted in their, in their cities. Probably many who struggled to find a place to stay. Probably many other young women who gave birth in less than ideal circumstances. But the miracle of Christmas, it's, it's more than just the star showing up. It's more than the wise men finding their way or the shepherds seeing the angel in heaven. The real miracle is that the baby that was born that night was the Word of God the author of life, the light of the world who came to bring life to you and to me. That's the story of Christmas. God's offer of life to us. John says that the light shines in the darkness, and that's exactly what Jesus does in each one of our lives. You know, we are a church that believes in studying the Bible. I believe so. We were at one time, at least. Individually, we believe in studying the Bible on our own, in quiet times, is often what people call them, in our times with God. Corporately, we believe in studying the Bible in our teaching ministry. And we believe in studying the Bible together in each other's homes. If you're visiting with us, we would love to study the Bible with you and show you how God offers you life through Jesus. One of the privileges of studying the Bible with someone else is in getting the chance to tell the story of how God changed your life. A brother uh, in our fellowship here, Lance, and I were, were in a Bible study this week with someone, and, and we were just sharing with him about how God changed our lives when we sat down and really let the scriptures impact us. And, 
you know what, it's just every time I tell that story, it's, it's so encouraging to my faith. And every time I hear a brother or a sister tell his or her story, it's also incredibly encouraging, remembering what God has done in my life and in the lives of the people around me. The story of Christmas is God's offer of life. And so I would say, I, you know, I don't know the state of your personal life this morning. I don't know the state of your marriage, what your relationship with your family, with your kids is like. I don't know your job situation, how that's going. I don't know the things that keep you up at night, but maybe there are some. I don't know the resentments or the loneliness or the shame that you may be carrying. But I know that Jesus was born as an offer of life for you. New life in each one of our lives. New life into our relationships. New life into our marriages, into our families, into our workplaces. New life into our communities. A new purpose and a new calling. Matthew says that Jesus came, that he was born, that he, that he will save his people from their sins. In Matthew 1, verse 21. And I think we sometimes think about Jesus, you know, saving us from our sins in kind of a, you know, in, in, in a uh, theological terms of, hey, you know, we get saved at the judgment, at the resurrection. We're saved from God's, from God's wrath through the blood of Jesus. And amen to that. But when, when the Bible talks about being saved from our sins, it's actually more than that. Right? He talks about actually getting us to a place where sin no longer has influence and control in our lives. And so that, that, that sin that has defined us and plagued us and, and taken hold of various areas of our lives and brought us into the darkness, even as followers of Jesus, can become disarmed and dealt with. And we can live lives of freedom. The story of Christmas is God's offer of life. But then secondly, and I think we have to see this, and I, I totally see this. I was talking with Lauren about this, this sermon. I was like, well, you know, there's, there's a, a piece of this that's a little sad, too, because you see this in, in, John's, in John's gospel, in his introduction, that the story of Christmas, it's God's offer of life, but it's missed by the world. It's missed by the world. John says in verse 5 that the light shines in the darkness and that the darkness has not overcome it. You can also translate that as understood it. It's kind of similar to the way that we talk about, we, we would say that I don't grasp something. The, the, word, the Greek word literally means to, to lay hold of something, to grasp it. So we could say I don't grasp it and it's like I don't grab onto it, but also maybe I don't grasp it like I, I just don't understand. In any case, John is saying that Jesus came, the light of the world came, and the world missed it. And he repeats it in verse 9. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I imagine it's it's like, you know, I commute for work, coming home from work and looking forward to seeing the kids, showing up at my, at my house, opening the door, 
And they say, who are you? What are you doing here? I don't know you. And that's what Jesus, it's like, I pay the mortgage on this house. That's who I am. You know, that's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's what I would be tempted to say. Um, but, you know, but this is, this is the example of Jesus, right? And Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, I built this place. And yet you don't know who I am. Jesus created each person. He knew them intimately, and he came to bring new life into their lives. But they didn't recognize him and didn't receive him. Why not? Because he came in a form and in a manner that they didn't expect. Right? They expected a, a conquering king or a great hero. But instead, they got a, a, a baby born into a poor family. They were too busy, too wrapped up in their own lives, too consumed with sin, too distracted by other things. If any of them was looking for an excuse not to follow Jesus, they had plenty. His offer was unexpected. It was inconvenient. It was unusual. But this is true for us as well today. God's offer of life is, is just as true today as it was back then, but also God's offer of life is just as inconvenient, is just as unusual, it's just as unexpected in many of our lives as it was 2,000 years ago. If we are looking for an excuse not to follow, we can, pl we can find plenty. I'd really be connected to the church if only it were closer, if only it were at a different time, if only people acted more in a way that made me feel comfortable. I'd read my Bible, oh, if only my kids would sleep later, if only my work would let me off on time, if only I didn't have to deal with this issue that's going on in my life. Oh, once COVID is done, once the vaccines come out, once the new vaccines come out, once the, then I can get spiritual again. Once my finances are finally in order. Once my life stops being so crazy, then I can truly pursue Jesus. But the right time never comes. The right time never comes. It's never convenient. It never has been, which is why the world missed him. And it's honestly, it's why most of the world still misses him today. And, you know, I see this, obviously, in the world around me. I see it also in my heart. And if I'm honest, I think I see it in our culture as well, here in the church. Especially since COVID started. You know, to be honest, I think the last couple of years, it can be very easy to justify a shallow discipleship on the basis of wisdom in the face of the pandemic. Is it uncomfortable? Is it uncomfortable making new relationships? No problem. The CDC has you covered. You're not supposed to see anybody else anyway. Is it difficult going to church? No problem. Church will come to you. Is it difficult and tiring to serve your community? No problem. Community service is canceled. You know, God's call is not, and I would, and I would say this, and I don't want people to feel guilty, and I think God's call is not to be irresponsible in the face of the pandemic, but it's also not to make the pandemic an excuse to justify our refusal to follow Jesus, right? It's not to be irresponsible, but it also can't be just an excuse that justifies our compromise and our complacency. 
I'll just remind you of this passage in Luke 13. It says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, and this is in verse 22, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. And I think that, that challenge still stands for us, that we need to make every effort to take up God's offer of life, because many will try, but most will miss it. You know, I think of, of an example of this, an example of really making every effort. Honestly, the first, the first couple that came to my head was Kevin and Nat and Neil Richard. You know, they moved to our, our ministry a couple of years ago from Brooklyn, and honestly, I don't know that I've ever met another couple who so tirelessly serve God with ever, without ever really thinking about themselves, without thinking about their recognition, their discouragement, how they're treated, what's going on. I've ignored Kevin multiple times, and yet he just keeps coming, keeps serving, keeps helping, keeps giving. Kevin helps out in a huge way with our worship ministry. He sends new song ideas and new arrangements. He's putting together plans for service. He's thinking ahead for the things that are upcoming. No one ever asked him to do this. This is his heart. It's who Kevin is. It's who Nat is as well. Kevin works the night shift at a jail up in Orange County. He'll literally be up all night serving the men who are held there. Sometimes breaking up fights or dealing with, and he's telling me some crazy stories about stuff that goes on. Kevin just deals with it. And then you know what he does? He shows up here. He drives straight from work all night and shows up here. And their car is honestly one of the first in the parking lot, almost every Sunday. If they wanted excuses, they could make a ton of excuses, but they never do. They are great examples. They call me higher. I hope they call you higher as well. So I think the challenge for us this morning as we think about Jesus, the example of Jesus born to us in Christmas, is this call of, of you know, is of examining, is there a place where God has called us to go deeper in our relationship with him, to return maybe to practices or habits or decisions that we may have made long ago and have now let go of, to a way of life of, of sacrifice and of giving and of discomfort, but that we've let slide in recent years or in recent months. What excuses are we making for not giving our every effort? The story of Christmas is God's offer of life missed by the world. And as we look at Jesus this season, let's remember who it was that was laid in that manger. God himself, come to bring us new life. But let's also remember that that offer was so often missed, that it went unrecognized, unreceived by the world. And this week, let's be people who don't miss the offer, who recognize Jesus for who he is, who receive him as he wants to be received, and who follow him from our hearts. And let's have a very Merry Christmas. Amen.